We believe that you are strong by design and you were made in God's image to have a strong body, mind, and spirit. You're listening to the number one strength and health authority podcast in the world. So let's get ready to unlock your potential and transform your life in today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Strong by Design podcast. This is your host, Mike Westerdahl. I'm very honored today to have a very good friend of mine, Christian brother, and my very first business coach. He's the founder of the Seven Figure Mastermind. He's the OG of internet marketing, but he comes from a fitness background, which he'll get into the story. Let me introduce my good friend, Vince Del Monte. Oh, thanks, Mike. This is an epic, epic uh, facility you've uh, put together. Amazing people here. And uh, dude, it's an honor to be here, man. Yeah. First time you've uh, visited here, right? Your specific uh, yeah, headquarters. Um, I mean, it's kind of funny because we come down here for a month every year and it's like hard to actually meet up. <laughs> I know. Because we're so busy. Well, it's a it's a trip when you have kids. It's not a vacation. Yeah, exactly. It's a little different. Plus, you're here for work. You just had your uh, your mastermind over in Clearwater a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. So we come down here once a year for um, just essentially to live. And uh, it's funny. There's like four or five people I'm supposed to meet up with, but I'm not going to have time. So uh, yeah. Well, hailing from Toronto, right? So getting a break from the from the winter, getting some Florida sun here in Clearwater. Yeah, it's brutal back there well we got here and you guys were having a, a pretty weird winter florida it was freezing here <laughs> right and then my wife and i leave and go to new hampshire for skiing so it's like right. always greener on the other side yeah. right yeah i don't know how you guys do it here in the summertime but oh, su- summers are rough yeah that's <laughs> L- why i love to be in canada in the summer we would be here if it wasn't for the summers here well kids are young you can do the snowbird thing right yeah we'll stick to that for now yeah yeah exactly Sounds good, my brother. So tell me a little bit about your, your backstory. We started out, how did we first meet each other? We must have emailed having uh, the No Nonsense Muscle Building Program. Tell us how that kind of started, your background. How did you get into first the fitness industry? Yeah, well, man, man, there's so many different uh, parts. But uh, just for anyone who doesn't know my story, I grew up in a Christian home. My father was a pastor for 19 years, and um, my father was also a runner a long distance runner. So he got me and my brothers into running. So we all found our identity in running at an early age. And this is an important part of my story because I was um, always like a good runner, but I was never like a great runner. You know, I, I uh, never, you know, made all Canadian when I went to university. You know, I never went to the world championships. I, you know, I never set any records. I never went to the Olympic trials like my younger brother did. My younger brother was uh, not, I would say world-class, but pretty dang close. And um, he was a four-minute miler, so let's put it that way. Wow. A 149 in the eight. So me and my younger brother, we never got those genetics or, or talent. I don't know what you call it, but uh, <laughs> the reason I share that is because um, you know, I, I found some form of identity in running, and uh, I stuck with it because um, all through high school and university, I was nicknamed Skinny Vinny. And it wasn't like, it sounds kind of you know cute, but it's not when you're, you know, trying to figure out yourself your life when you're young oh i hear you right. i remember the story the the arm wrestling story that kind of yeah yeah triggered you a little <laughs> i don't know if, if you wanted to share that but I've, I've heard that one before yeah well i built you know there's a lot of stories but yeah that was one uh, that i won't forget when uh paula mckinnon challenged me to uh have an arm wrestle with uh chris mcpherson who's the captain of the wrestling team and it was in grade 10 and uh, for some reason, I thought I, I had a chance. I thought maybe, you know, maybe I could take them. So I put my arm up on the uh, table and, and we were wearing our uniforms back then. I, rem- I still remember to this day vividly when he put his arm up on the table, like his entire dress shirt just like stretched. It was like someone just pumped him up. And I saw this thing just inflate from his arm. And I'm like, holy crap, that bi- I've never seen a bicep so big. And I'm like, I'm in trouble. Within a matter of seconds, my arm was snapped back and I heard Paula laughing and she was like, oh my goodness, you'd be so much hotter if your arms were just bigger. Ooh, <laughs> this was in grade 10. Yeah. So I'll never forget that. So I always uh, had this curiosity of like, how would life be if I could change my physical appearance and gain some muscle? But as a runner, I couldn't explore that. So, so this curiosity of building muscle was always in my mind all through high school and it got uh, even more intense in university when I ended up living with these super buff dudes. 
Uh, I live with the guys who, if they had Instagram accounts back then, would have like a million plus followers just because of their selfies. Right. They were the guys with the eight packs and 10 packs, not six packs, eight and 10 packs. So these were the, the guys that I lived with. So they all went to the gym like two hours a day. They were all buff and ripped and they were the guys the girls wanted to be with and the guys wanted to be seen with. And um, so I had this, again, wonder what would happen if I transferred all this time and energy from the gym or from my running into the gym. And after university, when my eligibility was over, I finally got to explore that curiosity. And I started a career as a personal trainer. After spending 50 grand on a university education, I started working for a whopping $10 an hour at a local YMCA. And uh, in that experience... <laughs> What'd your dad say about that? Well, yeah, that was uh, when my dad said, are you going to be a personal trainer when you're 35? Right. You know, so here he is working the back extension and the leg extension. You know, here he is, you know, here's my son. He just graduated from college. He's like, he's the guy over there working for $10 an hour, five minutes from our house. So probably a bit of a disappointment for him. <laughs> but a very familiar story. Uh-huh. A lot of us have been down that same right. road. My dad said the exact same thing to me. He said, you have a job, not a career. Tried to like hook me up with some interviews and I didn't want to. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So same story. And I'm, I'm starting to, you know, think a bit to myself, like maybe he's got a point, you know, maybe I should go back to college and maybe I should get a, you know, I missed uh teacher's college by 1%. So I'm thinking maybe I should go back and give it another shot and be the gym teacher I, I anticipated to be. And, uh, the thing was, was that I love the fitness industry. Like I love personal training. I fell in love with this world of helping people, you know, as weird as it sounds, count their reps and write programs and, and help them, you know, fix their nutrition and that. And I was going through my own body transformation at the same time. So long story short, I transformed my body from skinny Vinny to a, a rather muscular guy, but still nothing that was, you know, bodybuilder, like more of a fitness model physique. And that was in 2002. It wasn't for a few years that I discovered the internet and the opportunities that presented. And I was curious about those opportunities because, you know, I'd already taken my career as a fitness trainer as far as you pretty much could working for someone else. So you figured out buying a couple programs online. I think Lee Hayward was in earlier this week. Yeah. And he said you bought one of his programs back in the day. Yep. I mean, that kind of sparked your interest that you can do this. Yeah. I bought his supplement secrets revealed for $40 and Lee would tell you the whole story where he didn't even have a digital version. He actually went to the printer to print it off to mail me it because he didn't want me to refund it. Yeah. Who would have thought that, uh, you know, years later we're still great friends and he's a part of our coaching program and that. And, uh, then I asked him, Hey, where did you learn how to sell stuff on the internet? And he sent me to this website that was, uh, uh, created by the late Corey Rudell called internet marketing secrets. Yep. And I bought these DVDs. It cost me $300. And I watched them like I binge watched them wow, in one weekend. Wow, I had weekend. those too. Yep. Did you? Yeah. yeah. I, I watched them all in one weekend. Uh, and uh, after I watched those, I saw my entire future before my eyes. I said, I want to learn internet marketing. I'm like, this is the coolest thing in the world. You basically make money selling air and working from home in your pajamas on an extreme yeah. case, right? That's essentially what you're doing. And you're taking your ideas and you're packaging them up in a information products and people are buying them and transforming their lives and you're getting paid great money working on your terms and uh you know not a slave to the alarm clock well, there, there's the key word you said though transformed their lives because of what you were actually selling now yeah. if we look at the word marketing some people think of marketing as a as a dirty word like you're doing something wrong you're a right. salesman right but if you believe in what you're selling yep. and it's going to help people you're not manipulating people. Marketing is just a tool. Yeah. And And if if you've got this knowledge, you've got this information, it's your responsibility to get that into people's hands. If if you think about it, everybody's a marketer. How how did you get your girlfriend? You have to market yourself. How did you get your wife? You have to market yourself, right? There's other, you know, I think about how I got my wife. I had to market myself. I had to build a case for why she should go out with me on a date when she had a very bad history with personal trainers. She uh, found out I was a personal trainer. She wanted nothing to do with me because every personal trainer that she'd ever met up to that point was a pervert. And that was her experience with personal trainers at the gym, getting way too close to her when she she squatted. So her first assumption was, oh, one of these guys, one of these guys who's in love with himself. So what did I have to do? I had to market myself. 
I had overcome to, objections. I had to overcome objections. I had to raise the first objection. Hey, I know you probably think I'm one of those pervert personal trainers. That was the first thing I had to bring up <laughs> because in marketing, what do you bring up? The biggest objection first. Right. So anyone who says, you know, uh, you, should, you know, marketing's whatever, it's complete ridiculousness because you have to make a case for every single thing in life, right? Sales, every single, every single this conversation is a commission, all right? You're either going to get the commission or the other person in the conversation is going to get the commission. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you find our show helpful in any way, please let us know by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. Your review will help us reach more listeners and continue to change lives. Let's get back to the show. But whether how you use it, though, is the key point. It can be right. used for manipulation or it can be used to be a win-win situation sure. where you're you're getting some money because you're adding value to somebody's life. Right. And that's what you were doing. And that's a key distinction there. That's huge. And, and, you know, for me, marketing is just expressing your beliefs. My definition of marketing is what you believe in. So when you're marketing, you're really just telling people how you see the world and what you stand for. And in those early days, building the skinny guy brand, I was marketing build muscle without drugs, without bogus supplements, and in less time. Those were the beliefs. All right. You don't have to do two hour workouts. You don't have to stick needles in your butt and you don't have to spend a fortune on supplements, which is a polarizing message. But it's always, it's also a very attracting message for those who don't want to do that stuff. We'll talk about that for a second. Uh, being polarizing or something that's controversial. If you're trying to keep everybody happy, that's absolutely impossible. If yeah. you're trying to stay lukewarm on things. I think it's really not like a tactic marketing. Like it's the best marketing is the truth. When you're telling the truth, that will be your most effective marketing. But to tell the truth, you have to know what you believe. And I don't think a lot of people know what they actually believe. So when you know what you stand for, then you can throw rocks at the things around you that you don't stand for. And yeah, that's going to upset a few people. But when you truly have other people's best interests at heart, then why wouldn't you share what you know to be true? You know, one of the things we coach a lot of our students on now who have a hard time figuring out, yeah, what am I, we call them core pillars of belief when you're coming up with your marketing message. What's, what are your core pillars of belief? Like, what are the three things you stand for? And, uh, you know, it trips some people up. Like, I'm not actually sure. It's the first time they've actually been asked, what do you believe? And, you know, even in, in politics, you ask somebody, what do you believe? They're like, ah, when, when it comes to faith, what do you believe? Like, ah, like. And then the answer changes based on the audience they're talking to. <laughs> yeah. So. In business, you need to know what you believe. And um, I had a very, very simple message. It was that you can build drug-free muscle without things that um, could take more from you than give back. And my whole message was that you don't want to rent your body because if you're renting your body, you don't own it. And um, you know that's not something you're not going to fight to keep it if you didn't work hard to get it. And again, that's going to raise a lot of criticism. Yeah, but these guys who take steroids, they still work hard. And I'm like, all right, that's. Let's wrestle with this conversation. So the most effective marketing is going to be very, very, going to be very clear. And it's, there's going to be no gray. It's going to be, this is how we do things, take it or leave it. And if you look at successful marketers, they don't water down what they, what they believe. It's, this is how we do things over here. And yes, there's other ways of doing things, but that's not how we do things. I'm not saying that you don't need to take supplements or that supplements aren't helpful. I'm just saying that's not what we do. Right? right. So I think that's the big distinction. And you're not intentionally trying to be controversial, right? You're not just saying stuff. And that's where marketing gets manipulative when you're doing, and there's a whole stack of people on YouTube that have built channels off of manipulating what people say in exchange for views. Right. So they'll manipulate context for clicks. And sounds like the news. Yeah, pretty much, right? They're just going to find out, okay, what's, you know, Whose Mercedes Benz got smashed up today? Let's go talk about that. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, if I anyone can build a business model <laughs> on that kind of stuff, so yeah. But mar- you, you built a, a big brand, no nonsense muscle building, and yeah. you that took off as best selling product. It was a top product on ClickBank at the time. It seemed like it grew very fast at that time. Yeah, you know, back then I didn't really know. Like there wasn't like a lot to compare to. It was like there were 
a lot of guys were just getting started. I remember you, me, and Elliot, and Jeff Cavalier. There was a, there was a good handful of guys who were all just kind of learning the YouTube thing and trying to figure things out uh, at once. Uh, sorry, all at the same time. But yeah, you're just kind of constantly putting out content. And I think next thing you know, you've sold a lot of copies, not really understanding why. You know, you've worked with a lot of guys though, and you've had a lot of students and you've published some people and, and you've seen how people get, um, paralysis by analysis. They, mm. they overthink it. And right. these are very smart, intelligent people right. with amazing information to share with the world, but they're getting in their own way and they're stopping themselves from you. And I've always said this about you, that you are a massive action taker. Like you move very quickly and Yes, we all make mistakes. You've made a lot of awesome moves and, and you've made some mistakes and that's all part of the journey, but you always move fast. You make a decision and you do it and you go with it. And I truly believe that's a huge reason why you've had the success that you've had. And even back then, if you're thinking about it, once you had the idea and it was time to do it, you would do it. Right. Oh yeah. Speed of implementation. You exactly. know, that's what you're describing. I learned that from Eben Pagan and uh, you know, that, that's a, a really, really important concept it's the it's the time in between you hear something and do something and it's one of the most painful things is uh, of being a business coach and i share this with my students i'm like guys sometimes i gotta tell you it's really painful watching how slow you and you know when then you have other guys in the group who will be implementing at the event before they go home and they just get better results so yes speed matters quality matters as well but i mean even if it doesn't work the speed matters because you just learned something now to yeah. do it better the next time yeah. or someone else can be sitting on it the whole time. Right. And, and why it's this fear of failure. It's fear of success. There's a lot of, I don't know all the reasons stopping people, yeah. but you've got to get over yourself and just do it. I think a lot of people also, you know, want to be, they want to be validated. They want to be liked, and it's a very strong desire. And many times, you know, I've coached individuals who are very smart and I'm like, what's going on, man? Like why are things going so slowly here? And uh, they've shifted their content to now to appease to their colleagues and not their prospects. And I guess what happened with one of my students was uh, he was, you know, he was like really struggling with a couple K a month, like when he first came into our program. Next thing you know, right out of the gates, he's over 10 K a month, individual from the UK when he was like thrilled. And the next thing I know, he's reporting that his income has gone like completely backwards. And I said, what's, what's different? And his content was different. He started making really sciencey content because he had, I'm like, what? I had to dig in in the call. And I said, uh, what the heck happened? He said, one of his colleagues essentially called him out, kind of saying, you're getting salesy now. I'm like, yeah, you are. <laughs> so right. what's your point? Who cares? But that really tripped him up. He's like, yeah, you're marketing more aggressively now. Absolutely. Didn't you say you want to make more money? And anyways, he never got over it. And he, you know, he never he never reverted back to what he was doing when he was helping more people, because he got this comment from somebody almost who, like being a sellout. Who, right? who, yeah, and this was a person that was never going to buy his product. This was just a colleague. So now he starts to create his content to impress his colleagues who aren't his avatar, who aren't his prospects, who would actually benefit from his service. Well, that's an e that's an ego thing of wanting to be liked, respected having that stature in, in yep. your uh, peer group. So, so you've got the stature from your peer group that you only do things a certain way and you don't like market aggressively. And for me, I've always found my credibility in the quality of information I put forth, right? And yeah, I market aggressively. I never apologize for that, right? Why would I apologize for something that I know that's going to help somebody's life? Because if I don't, they're going to get suckered into somebody else's solution that I know is less superior than mine. So yes, you have that ethical duty to put your information out there. And yes, never, ever, never, ever promise something that you can't deliver on. Don't, don't lie about what and your over, product is. Over deliver. Too. Yeah. Un undersell, over deliver. But if, if you have something that can change someone's life, you definitely want to be prolific about it and you want to be excited about it, enthusiastic or else Who's it going to reach? And then at the end of your life, you're going to look back and say, how many people did I impact? It's like, oh man, one of these guys, he just eventually squandered his talents because he was afraid. And so, yeah, I don't want to yeah. be that guy. Well, I think about 10 years ago, if we're going back to like 
2010, you were starting to get the idea that you were a very strong marketer, but you came from a fitness background as a personal trainer, kinesiology degree. You had all the fitness certification stuff you needed. You had that information, but your marketing was getting very strong. Mm-hmm. And um, what what was that? Not transition, but you had to yourself go through this period, and you, that's when you started the uh, the Muscle Mastermind Group, which was the first mm-hmm. mastermind group that I ever joined. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Well, you guys sought me out for a business coaching and I wasn't ready to share my secrets. It didn't make any sense. Why would I share my secrets with my competition? But you guys uh, essentially uh, said, we'll pick the locations, we'll pay you 10 grand and it'll be paid in full and all you need to do is show up and teach us. So I'm like, that's not a bad deal. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't even know that part. I was a guy that was one of the guys getting recruited. Oh yeah. yeah. And I remember at the time, um, just got rid of debt and I'm at home with my wife, Courtney, and we don't have the money for this. This is putting money on a credit card to join. Talk about a leap of faith and having faith and trust, not only in, in the process and your coach and God and all of this paying off. I mean, that's that's a, a scary move. And right there, we, we took that leap of faith. And I think having a supportive wife, someone who encourages you to mm-hmm. to try things, even when you don't know the results. That you yeah. have to try it or you're just going to be stuck the same and not change. I did join, obviously, yeah. cashed up, forked up the money, stuck it on a credit card, wound up that year doubling my income that one year and making friends that I still have to this day. And it was, yeah. an, it was an amazing group. And ever since then, I've never looked back on right. just the power of investing in your, in your training, in your education, in your profession. And yeah, I did it with books and other things, you know, courses, but I never spent thousands of dollars on uh-huh. getting a coach. Yeah, and when yeah. you are a coach, you don't think you need a coach too, but you could use a coach in every area of your life. Looking to win some free Critical Bench swag? Here's how. Subscribe to the Strong by Design podcast on iTunes and then visit us on Instagram at the Critical Bench to let us know you're a subscriber. Be sure to DM us to get your free gifts. Yeah, a coach isn't going to cost you money, right? They're a profit center. And that's the mindset you have to have. It's as long as you take action on what they share with you, as long as you implement, then how are you not going to make a return, right? So the only reason you shouldn't do it is if you don't believe in yourself and you don't believe that you'll actually apply what you learn. But I knew that as an athlete, you know, for all the coaching programs I've joined, you tell me what to do, I'll do it. To be honest, the bigger the price tag, the better because there's more skin in the game. And it it keeps, this feeling keeps coming up. That was the first one I ever joined. And at that time, it was $10,000. Now, you and I have both joined a group that's $100,000. And that's the same feeling I had 10 years ago of doing this one. And I'm like, wow. And it was funny, because I know we all kind of joined, I think, at similar times. And I remember you texting me, said, are you joining? And I'm like, well, you know Joel's going to sell us eventually. So let's not even... (laughs) Why bother trying to resist? Just sign up right away. Craig told me that he was the first one to sign up. He just said, "What's the wire information?" He signed up within like three seconds, and I said, "Geez, that's that was that's pretty fast." He's like, "Well, it's Joel. You know, you're not going to say no to him, so you might as well just do it." Yeah, I was but, like, "Could I have a couple days to yeah. like sell a car or something?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it was it was a good experience too because I, I think that price point just exposed some you know, glass ceilings that I needed to crash through. And I, and I realized that I was probably a little comfortable and I thought, you know, I'm investing already quite a bit each year in a coaching, but this was going to stretch me even more. And I realized like, I got to swallow the pill that I'm, I'm you know, I'm right. selling everybody else. You got to get uncomfortable. I'm like, huh, I'm now uncomfortable. And then I regretted not signing up right away because I didn't get to have the story that Craig had, which was I signed up right away. This was a no brainer. And I had to admit that I had some self-limiting beliefs that, but what if? And then I realized to myself, you know, what is the worst thing that could happen? I lose a hundred grand. I'm not going to recover from that. But like you kind of run the movie out, right? It's like, what's the worst thing that could happen? It's it's the same decision process as going back when you quit your job as a personal trainer to go online. That's scary for the people listening here that have a dream or something they want to try and they're at their job and they're scared to leave the stability of the job, which isn't that stable anyway, because you can get fired at any time for nothing of your own fault. Right. And if you do do this and it doesn't work, 
then what happens? You just get another job. It's not the end of the world. At least you tried this. Yeah. For me, it would be living in regret of not trying would eat me alive way more than the fear of of losing some stability. And it, sure. it's just fast going forward now to a different spot. It's these same feelings. Just seems like there's more to lose. Yep. So we're getting these same feelings again, but we know the, the correct way to, to act and what we need to do. Yeah. But each threshold or different level we get to, we're, we're going through it again. Yeah. And I think uh, you just have to continue to lean into that, those fears and just realize, as uh, our pastor says, fear is the path of freedom. And if you want to experience freedom, you have to kind of push, you have to push your limits or else. That might be the name of the episode. Let me write that down. Here's the path of freedom. And, and, you know, fear will always precede freedom. So if you're trying to experience, you know, more time with your family, well, you're going to have to buy knowledge that allows you to, you know, hire people and, you know, enable them and to transfer skills that you have so that they can do so that you can buy back your time. And like those, that's, I don't know how to do that. So how do I expect to get there if I don't invest and learn, right? Exactly. And that's, I think, the thing with the credit card thing. We get that a lot. People say, I don't want to put it on a credit card. And uh, I always tell people, I'll never tell somebody to put frivolous things on a credit card, like, you know, shoes and trips and and uh, restaurants and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, people do that all day long, <laughs> right? But what I do tell people to do, which I feel is very smart and wise, which sounds counterintuitive, is to go into debt if there's a clear ROI path. All right. If you're investing into someone's knowledge to develop a skill that you don't have, you can solve the root problem of always not having money. Where what most people do, they have this weird belief that, uh, let's just say the coaching program is $10,000. They'll say something like, well, I don't believe in financial debt. I think it's irresponsible. And I'll say, in context to investing into coaching, I disagree with you. Let me explain why. So someone's making two to three grand a month and they say, once I have the money, I'm going to invest. So they get up to what? Four or five grand, six, seven grand. And then what happens? The car breaks down. <laughs> they right. go back to two, three grand. Then they save up, they get to eight, nine grand. And then what happens? They get a tax bill and then they go back to two, three grand. And then they get to 9.5. They're just about there to invest into the coach. And then something happens to a family member. And their entire life is this saving mentality, thinking that they have you know, a money management problem. What they have is a top line problem, all right? You don't have a problem with managing your expenses. You should be able to buy all that cool stuff you're buying. Your real problem is you don't know how to increase the top line. So what do you do? You join masterminds, you hire coaches that know how to make more money so that you can increase that top line and then the bottom uh, line, the um, you know your expenses and all that, that's where you put 5% of your focus, 95% of your focus goes into growing that, that little top right. inch of the uh, financial statement. And I think for you and I, we have the, the same mindset on this, which helps a lot too, which is when we're looking at that top line, that that doesn't belong to us. It's just something that we're responsible for. Mm. It's stewardship of this money that right. actually belongs to God that we're just managing and we have to show that we're responsible for that. Oh, yeah. If you take your, your own uh, kid and they have a bike and they leave it out in the yard and it gets rained on and it gets rusty and, and then they're crying inside and wanting a new bike from you, you're probably not going to give them a new bike. They're not even right. taking care of the one that they have. There you so, go. So I don't, care I, what, I don't care what you're doing right now. You could be cleaning bathrooms, working at a gas station. Are you, are you doing a good job with what you're doing and what you've been given so far? Yeah, I love that. And there's not going to be more given until you're ready for it. Yeah, it's his to give and it's ours to manage. I love that. And I think there's, um, you know, you know, speaking about, you know, our faith here now, I believe that God is looking for people to partner with and he's only going to provide opportunities to those who are obedient to his move. I believe God's on the move and he's looking for people that are willing to commit an amount that they are uncomfortable with. And this actually happened this past year. Uh, man, our pastor, he uh, said something that really, really struck me. And uh, there was a couple things he str- that he really, really struck me with. One was, you know, it's not the size of the gift that matters. It's the size of the sacrifice. I think that's the very first thing. And then another piece he said was, um, 
if everybody gave with the same attitude as you with the church grow? I'm right. like, that's fascinating. And, and I'm like, I felt really pushed. And he said, if you're giving an amount that you're comfortable with, then you're not trusting on him to come up with the rest. So this actually, um, past two years, a true story. I went in with a number. We do a year end give and, um, they're different themes each year. Last year was called Waymaker and it's on, uh, on the second, uh, weekend and this first weekend in December and it's the year end give. And I remember when he said, um, I remember when he, he, I went in with this number in my head, which I was prepared to give. And then when he said, uh, essentially commit amount that you're going to have to count on him to come through on, I got really uncomfortable because the amount that came into my mind in that second, I couldn't cover it. Mm. I'm like, I can't. So here we are in the first week of December and I had a, a very generous gift I felt in mine. And during that service, the challenge was to give amount that I couldn't cover because I could cover the amount that I went in with. Right. I, mean, I the, the amount I went in to write was an amount that was, an, that was already available. Sure. But that's not trust. Right. The trust factor would be to double the amount, which I couldn't cover. And I told Flavia at the end of December, like just a couple days before, I'm like, Flavia, I still don't have the amount that I'm committing. And she says, well, you have to. I'm like, I was kind of like trying to get her, her to kind of say something like, right. well, don't worry about it. It's still, just do what just, you can. Just, just do what you can. And I'm like, well, one of the awesome. moments I'll never forget, Flavia says, you have to figure well, it out. She's holding you to higher standards. She, this is she says, you have to. You have to. And over the next couple of days, what do you know? We have the amount to give. And we wrote the check. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's true stewardship. When... You have to count on him to cover the amount that you're, you're feeling prompted. I felt a prompt. And when you feel a prompt from God, it's not going to be a comfortable one. It's going to be a scary one. And I always share that, that a fear comes from God. Mm. Fear doesn't come from the devil. Because God recognizes that you're comfortable, so he instills fear to get you out of where you're at. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you're enjoying today's show, please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. Let's get back to the show. So it's a real interesting reframe that, you know, comforts, comforts from the devil. He wants you to stay comfortable, right? And God wants to scare you out of the familiar, right? So right. you can actually grow and trust him. and. Um, yeah, I think that's just great. The whole conversation around like, you know, I, this is all mine when, yeah, it could be taken away in a split second. So to just to appreciate that, hey, all these relationships, all this stuff we have, it, it ultimately came from the big guy and I'm just managing it the best I can. And I'm trying to figure out, can I even be more generous? And I'm like, my, you know, my limits are always being tested as they are right. every year. <laughs> and I mean, not to go into prosperity preaching or anything like that, saying if you're a believer, you will have more than other people. But at the same time, I believe that you will be blessed when you're not doing it in a selfish way, meaning that it's not ending with you. It's not something you're wanting for yourself, but it's passing through you for other people. Yeah. So you're helping other people. Well, it's definitely not like a tactic or like, yeah, if I give, you know, it's giving, giving to God isn't, uh, you know, give X amount and he's like a, you know, an ATM vending machine, something like, you know, give you a Mercedes Benz. It's not like that. It's, it's that I want to partner with him. He, he's going to achieve his mission with or without me. And he's making an invitation for me to partner. I want to be a partner in his movement. Yeah. He doesn't need you. He wants you. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He's going to do it with or without me. And I want to be a part. So I think I see it as an opportunity to just be obedient and uh, see where it goes and continue to increase my level of trust and faith. And uh, yeah, just, yeah. And I still have, there's still fears right there. If, I, if you said, hey, well, if you really believe this, Vince, give this, I'd be like, oh man. And just, but again, it's another new level of faith. Right. Right. And, and a new level of faith, you know, is going to come with, you know, again, new opportunities to, to grow and to rely less on yourself and more on him. And I think that's the most interesting thing because, um, yeah, you know, there's people that like walk around, like, you know, it's all because of them. 
man, oh man, I, I don't know if I could live my life like that because if it was all because of me. I'm like, that's a lot of pressure. Right. <laughs> that's all I don't want. I don't want to carry that kind of pressure. So I feel like I've got the advantage having God. I've, I've got an unfair advantage having God on my side. I feel like people that feel like it's all because of them. And I'm like, oh man, that's a, I feel, I don't know how they, I don't know how they live. Right. <laughs> that's like, man, you're better than me because I could never live like that. <laughs> that's too much pressure for me. It's a lot. I, I put, I'm going to give God the pressure. I'm like, you, you know, you have to, okay, I'm going to trust you, but you got to come through. I'll do my part, but you got to come through. So I want to partner with, with them. I don't want to try and figure things it's out. A lot, on my less, own. lot less stressful. There's some peace, yeah. peace in that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That there, for me, there's peace in that and knowing that I'm probably being, you know, put in the fire because he wants to use me for like a bigger fight, but I need a sharper weapon to get, you know, win that fight. So I'm being tested right now. Yeah. I'm putting, you know, I have to just kind of remind myself of those illustrations. Now you talked about comfort kind of coming from the enemy. As Was there a time maybe after the mastermind where you started going into like a prevent or protection or comfort mode yeah. where you had to step out of that? And what, what was that like and how did you get out of it? Well, what happened was the, I think one of them, uh, I forget what year it was, 2012 or 13, my business hit a peak 1.8 million. And everyone, I kind of, you know, me, anybody knows me, I like to talk. I'm a talker. <laughs> I'm not the most humble guy in the world. So everyone in my family knew. <laughs> I made sure everybody knew. All right, that's just Vince, right? So, so you know, I had a great year. And when I expressed, you know, hey, we had a good year, um, everyone said, so why do you keep pushing? So like, why don't you chill out? Why don't you relax? Like, what more do you want? Like, why are you going so hard? And I, and I thought to myself, they're right. I am doing well. Why don't I chill out a bit? And I did. So I took my foot off the gas. Right. <laughs> not knowing I was taking my foot off the gas, not knowing that I got there because my foot was on the gas. So next thing I know, start doing just some silly stuff. Next thing I know, my business is going backwards. My business is going backwards. And I realized, you know, when I got reconnected in a coaching program, there was a couple of years where I was essentially riding the brake. And it took a couple of years to actually have someone help me understand what had happened. And, you know, it's going to sound obvious as soon as I explain it, but I met a gentleman at an event, uh, Ryan Levesque event actually in Las Vegas. And he must've been, you know, dropped in from heaven because I had a dinner with this guy and I'd never met him before. And I shared with him this whole situation. And he said, it sounds like what, what, what's happened. Oh, so, so wait a second. He asked me a question. He said, um, what's driving you? And I said, I want to get to the next level. And he could kind of just read through that BS because that's what everyone says. I want to experience my full potential. And, and he says, no, you don't. I said, what do you mean? And he says, you don't, you're not actually trying to go to the next level. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't I? Everyone's trying to get to the next level. I said, no, you're actually not. And, and after back and forth, what he helped me realize, which is what was happening, was that I had stopped playing to win and I was now playing not to lose. And what had happened, going back to our original story about being skinny Vinny and trying to find my identity in running and different things through the years, what had happened was when I got that millionaire status and one of the first guys in our group who got over that level, I was now playing to protect that identity. So I wasn't doing anything that could take me beyond that. I was just trying to maintain my status. Right. In sports, you're, that's a great way to lose. I know you guys don't follow football that much but you're you have a big lead and you go into the soft defense and relax and that's when the other team catches right up yes i i guess you could say something kind of like that happened to me and i um and i realized that huh i gotta stop riding the e-brake and i need to hit the gas again and i've got to stop feeling like there's something wrong with wanting to pursue more and i realized that that was the root problem. I was trying to protect this identity because because it gave me a sense of uh, significance. Hey, look at hey, at least I'm a you know. But then when you start getting around guys who are soaring beyond you, and you know you're like, holy geez, maybe I need to start pushing myself again. You start, oh, I think I'm, I think I gotta you know, I gotta step things up. So so yeah, we got back into environments where there were guys further ahead, and there was accountability, and there was you know positive push. So. Keyword there again, right? Environment. You're talking about the other guys you were hanging around with that you're friends with and you're seeing other people doing things and, and that's rubbing off on you versus your family's amazing. We love your you love your family, but maybe not all of them have the same entrepreneurial 
mindset where they're thinking you're you're all set you did it you've arrived where then other guys you're hanging around with they're thinking of the next thing still right so it's getting yourself in that right environment right back again to the coaching point being with the right coaches and the right people right and i think there's you know now you come come to the conversation around you know what what's really driving you and i think what i've tried to um you know really really embrace is just striving for discovering my full potential but here's the thing no one tells you about discovering your full potential you have to go through process a new process so what the process that got you to where you are now isn't going to be the same process that will get you to the next level and here's what they don't sell you (laughs) the process is very painful it's very boring it's very tedious you know just on lunch you and i were talking about data stuff like to get to the next level we got to look at numbers it's like and as 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 you know natural entrepreneurs what drives guys like us is we like exciting we like launching a new offer we like ideas and we love you know uh having our hands in all sorts of stuff but what we're learning from the people who are ahead of us is that the stuff that they're they're good at is fundamental skills and just executing them at a higher level. And I'm like, oh, that's actually kind of boring. It's like getting bigger in the gym. It's like you don't learn 20 different variations of a deadlift to go from you know a 500 deadlift to a 600 deadlift. You just have to add more volume. It's just right. more reps. It's just more time. And that's not exciting, but that's how you get to the next level. So it's now like your mindset's adjusted that, oh, I don't need new stuff to get to the next level. I have to actually, I have to actually embrace the boring stuff to see a new breakthrough. Right, and that's a different mindset. So it's like, ah, oh, that's what they mean when they say what got you here won't get you there. And now you've got to embrace this tedious process of all these new things if you do truly want to go to the next level. And that's kind of where I think I'm living right now. Well, what? Why the next level then? To see, to see what I'm capable of. Like I want to. It's it's a challenge. It's like a new challenge. Like can I? stay focused long on long enough on something it's to break out of that comfortable identity and to kind of put something at stake like if this doesn't work i might go backwards it's like to to not stay comfortable it's let's see what we can do thank you so much for listening to the strong by design podcast if you find our show helpful in any way please let us know by leaving a five-star review on itunes Go to strongbydesignpodcast.com. Your review will help us reach more listeners and continue to change lives. Let's get back to the show. I mean, I, I saw you dur- during this time, and then I also saw as the as the coaching group started, and I'm like, he's found his his calling now. This is like what he's supposed to be doing, and I felt very happy for you. I felt very proud of the success you were having uh-huh. and it started seeming not like a struggle and i felt like you you went, found a purpose mm. in that next phase yeah and i feel like i should have embraced that a few years prior you know there was there was some fear was shifting to uh shifting to that uh earlier but um yeah i guess things work out the way they do but yeah i definitely feel like this is what i've been called to do and uh it's just, uh, yeah, just kind of staying focused on it. How did that start, though? How did the seven-figure mastermind start? Well, so you all know that I've shared this story before. Um, well, our group, you remember how it ended? Do you remember the awkward, the awkward pitch I did at the on the very last event when we were in Key West? I don't remember. And then the you pitch. guys, you, oh, okay. So most of the guys in the room, uh, this was like the most awkward part of the entire mastermind. So for those listening, here's what happened. Just, just to kind of. This is important to understand. So we had our three events. We had our one in Quebec, and then we had one in Las Vegas, and then we went to the Keys. And at the end of the year, I just, first of all, I had no coaching on how to run a mastermind. So essentially what Adam Steer expressed to me was that you blew us away on meeting one, and you blew us away on meeting two, but on meeting three, it felt like you just showed up. And he felt like no one was challenged or learned as much as they learned in the first two meetings and that was like really and i guess maybe i got just comfortable showing up and teaching but when i said hey for next year i said something to the effect if you all want to renew for another year it the price is going up and i just blurted it out from the front of the room it was like 15 grand or something at 18 grand and then uh, you guys brought me into that room uh, a hotel room at night and basically want to express why no one was going to continue 
And it was basically because they felt like they didn't get the value or see the need to continue because essentially everyone caught up to, you know, everyone's closing in on where I was at. And that was, I never really shared this with anyone, but it was, that was like a, like a really demoralizing weekend. I felt like, holy geez, like I got, and I, I just like kind of threw out the opportunity to continue, but I hadn't provided the value. And I'm like, I'm never doing this. I set, I'm never setting myself up for failure like that again. So there was a fear to get rejected. So I just went back to doing my own business. So a couple of years later, um, you know, that always stuck, that always stayed with me. I was like, holy cow. Um, started questioning my abilities and everything. So a couple of years later, I was getting sought out by a lot of people who wanted to grow online fitness businesses. So they were primarily my fitness customers. Right. Right. So in 2014, 15, I started doing two day events, the zero to six figure formula, and I would do them in different locations and I sold out every single one. I did seven of them. And wherever I went, I had anywhere from 12 to 40 people show up and I just taught for two days for two grand a pop. And, um, I did that for two years. It was just kind of like side cash. It wasn't like I was still running my fitness business, which was very appealing to the people attending because they got to see exactly what I was doing in my own fitness business. Yeah. Not many people were doing that, if any, uh, if I can recall. So I think Craig and Bajos were kind of doing that. Uh, so, um, Bajos and Craig were getting ready to launch a new mastermind called Empire. And I guess um, I'd gone to Craig's Perfect Life Formula a few months prior, and he'd helped me a lot with stuff uh, with just primarily how to how to restructure my day having had kids because we were in the really young kids. Yeah, he did the same thing for me. And I was like, I was all over the place. Flavia didn't know what she wanted to do. We weren't on the same page, seeing eye to eye on it's a, a lot of things. It's it a tough was a, season. Yeah, it was a really tough season. So. He helped us get some clarity there and um, got us moving in the right direction, but um, told me about Empire, got on the phone with Bedros to kind of essentially, I knew it was a pitch, you know, like an invite thing, and I wanted to hear what he had to say. And his assessment of me was extremely accurate. It was like, you've been riding the e-brake for a couple of years, how come? And he gave me the vision, why don't you have your own mastermind? And I told him, I'll be honest, Bedros, you know, I'm afraid of what if everybody just drops out? Like that's a real, that was like a real fear. Um, you know, what if I started and it's not successful, then what do I have? So, and, and it was like such a real, uh, moment because I'm like, but this is what I've been called to do. I'm the guy who's been doing this longer than anybody else. I've been running, I've built multiple seven figure businesses in the health and fitness space. People are coming to me for advice. I have to do this. Yeah. I, so I said, if you coach me on how to run a mastermind, so that I don't have what happened last time <laughs> happen again, uh, I'm in. I mean, that group would have totally kept going if it was probably just a different kind of close. I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to close him. He, then he gave me. So uh, he spoke to me on a Tuesday, and I had my next zero to six figure formula event on a Saturday. And on the Tuesday, I decided to join Empire, and it was a 50k paid in full investment, and. uh the primary reason I was going to join was to learn how to scale a service-based business, which is something I've never done before. I mean, that, that's a big move right there. And you just had some stuff happen right before there too, if I remember right. I don't know if you told told many people, we don't have to talk about it or anything, but- The, the 55K mistake? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean- <laughs> I didn't tell any of you guys for a long time. I was so embarrassed. Man, that's tough. I, I was so embarrassed that there was uh, this Facebook, these two Facebook gurus that essentially said, we can blow up your wife's stuff. Long story short, we found out a year plus later that they were con artists and I felt like a complete idiot again because after a year, I went on Google and I searched their names and the first thing that came up was their names, con artists, and they did it to another couple as well. I'm like, I am such a freaking idiot. So can you imagine that humiliation that's, I'm feeling like a complete failure, a complete loser and I'm like, I can't, I'm like, so this isn't even stuff I'm going to put on social media. Like, Hey, I can make a good story about this. I'm like, right. I'm no, not like, telling this, this was a secret. And then I, I'm telling this story five years later, guys, I, I'm not, I'm not broadcasting this to anybody. And then, then not that you have to ask your wife, but you're a team, you're making these decisions together. Yep. And for her to have that support or encouragement, now, thankfully, again, we got to give the wives props yeah. on this stuff. Yeah. I couldn't imagine having a wife that 
you want to go and you're much pushing the gas and she's pulling the handbrake up. What's that's in, not Flavia. What, what's interesting is like she was like, yeah, you have to do it. And, and, same and both with, our wives did the same thing same with, with Joel's group yeah, too. It was like, yeah, you have to join. Like, why? Like, we're it, talking it's about crazy, it. Crazy. Eh? We're we like, what do you think? Our, we always kind of project our fears on it. Like, oh, like, I can't do this. I don't want to put the family at risk. And it's like you've already put the family at risk not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> you are our family's already at risk because you don't know how to get us out of this situation. Well, how are you protecting us anymore? We're we're fine. We're pretty much going to live this way the rest of our life because you're not doing anything about it. So that's another one of my pet peeves when guys kind of blame the family. Oh, I can't put my family at risk. I'm like, uh, what are you doing right now? <laughs> right. It's how can it get any worse? You have nothing to lose. Go for it, right? And and uh, yeah, so fortunately, you know, Flavia knew Craig, knew Bedros, knows Joel. So there was a relationship there. So it wasn't like we we're just joining a group with some stranger. Sure. There was definitely a trust factor there. But um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, the money was there, but it, we were taking it out of a place that I've always been conditioned to not touch, which is your house. You know, your house, like I'm a, an Italian, you know put all the money in the house and don't touch the house. That's your number one thing. So I'm like, you can't take the money out of the house. So it was the best decision ever. You know, within a year, I built a brand new seven figure business in under 12 months, which was like the fastest I'd ever got to that and primarily recurring revenue, which was pretty cool. And now I'm coaching guys to do what I've done. And I'm like, I've never been more fulfilled. I'm like, this is like, I am coaching guys to grow real businesses, to impact more lives, I'm connecting them with other others and people are having success. This and, is like, and you're sharing your faith. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, there's a lot of uh, believers in our group and, um, and uh, it's, it's just really, really exciting to see like how many people are getting to new levels just because essentially what I'm selling is what I'm a product of. I've always been a product of coaches and masterminds right from day one. So how, how much conviction do you have when I'm on the phone with the prospect and they're on the fence? It's, it's, I don't have to sell them. I can just tell them, hey man, I would never sell you something that hasn't worked for me. You know, My vision for you is for you to be successful and I'm just casting the same vision because this is exactly what's worked for me and it's going to work for and you. you, had and a, it's you had a coach for- help you start this group. Yeah, and now you're a coach. Want to help other people start? So exactly, it just makes it makes perfect sense. And you wouldn't have this group if you didn't join Bedros's and Craig's group way back in the day, right? I'm a product. That's why you know I don't have uh, different other you know other business models because I'm not a product of those things. I'm my entire my entire business model has been me just casting my vision into the marketplace, and my vision is simply what's worked for me. Looking to win some free Critical Bench swag? Here's how. Subscribe to the Strong by Design podcast on iTunes and then visit us on Instagram at The Critical Bench to let us know you're a subscriber. Be sure to DM us to get your free gifts. Every single fitness program and now my business programs, I'm simply teaching what has worked for me and I'm getting paid to do that, which is pretty cool. So I'm like, this is your business model. As long as you keep growing, as long as you keep evolving, you will always have people who want to try and keep up to what you're creating and they will exchange money for that value. And I think that's a pretty fair exchange. Oh, it's amazing. And I've, I've been at a couple of events. You uh, had the privilege of presenting on some things at the last one and what an yep. awesome group of guys and just how much I've seen you grown too. just the presence that you have and how clearly you, you speak and answer people's questions. Like I was yep. really proud of you up there. It was awesome. It's a great group of guys. People having tremendous, tremendous success in there. There's Crazy. guys doing so well. They become coaches in the group yep. helping out. It's amazing. A lot of young guys with, you know, new families, you know, one guy, you know, Frank, um, Blanken, he's been, uh, coaching essentially for five years been flying over the ocean from the netherlands just right. the other day he's doing thirty thousand dollars a day he's about to hit you know he's, he's on pace for forty thousand dollar days you know eight figure business soon and uh you know joel agalbo he just uh, crossed the million a great friend of ours and just you know lee hayward's just you know having a record month and just a lot of guys who are rising yeah and, for uh, sure and it's just really neat to 
see that everybody's just pushing each other, supportive, and you know we have a b- belief we don't want to leave anyone behind. I think that's also one of the reasons Joel pushed us because I don't know if he gave you this in his spiel, but he's like, I'm going ahead and I'm experiencing all this stuff on my own. I want you guys to experience it with me. Did he say that to you? It's pretty much. I knew that that he would that he was thinking that he didn't have to say oh, it. Gotcha. I already knew it. Uh-huh. I said to I said to Courtney, I said he's going here. And he's inviting us to come with, yeah, yeah. but whether we come or not, he's still going. Yeah, yeah. So do you want to go? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you guys live close to him, so you guys even you got even more pressure. <laughs> I'm in his house right now. I'm like, I've got to do everything that I'm being told to do right now, just because you know he sees the blind spots, right? And he knows what's holding us back, and 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 you need that push. Like this isn't admitting this kind of stuff isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. Oh, for and sure. And I think a lot of guys may be listening right now, like, wow, they're really revealing like a lot of their areas that they're weak in. But this is why we get stronger because we know what to address. If you if you're if you're flexing and pumping your chest all the time, you know, another uh, quote that I live by is you can't fix what you fake. And most guys go through their life faking where they're actually at, so they never actually get help. If you're like, I come here like, wow, Mike, look at this facility and look at the whole team he's got. And and, you're, and I'm just like, Mike must be crushing it. If, and I don't even ask you, hey, is you working on anything? You need any help? If, if you don't say that, I won't know. If you're like, oh, yeah, we're crushing. I'm like, good, man. That's awesome. But if you're like, gosh, you know, we need help in this area. You'll never get to the next level. Right. So I think one of the things that I've learned, you know, even with some of these top guys is that they're open about where they need help. And it's not a sign of weakness to say, yeah, no, I need help in operations. I've, I, you know, it's always been my Achilles heel, operations no, and great, numbers. That's I'm a like, great tip because as you're stepping out of your comfort zone and getting around higher level people, sometimes you might feel fearful over admitting where you struggle as if they're right. going to look down on you. Yes. But, but you're in that group. People want to help each other. Yes. And please don't isolate yourself and try to do all this on your on your own. Oh, man. I've known so many guys that are trying to like just do it all on their own and it's so much oh, slower man. than working together and you getting run out help of time. from people. You run it, and by the time you kind of figure something out, it's probably outdated. Right. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. This stuff changes so fast. You're like, oh, I got this working, and then oh, then all of a sudden, there's there's a, some, a new platform or something. <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah. So you're not getting ahead. I think that's a big thing I tell everyone. You're not getting ahead keeping a couple bucks in your bank account. You're only competing against people who are moving at faster speeds, failing faster. So they're actually gaining true knowledge on what works and what doesn't. And you're just getting left behind. Right. And it all comes back to, you know, that attachment to money, letting go of your ego and just truly having a kind of, you know, whatever it takes mentality. Like, Hey, I I told Flavin, like, there's some stuff I could do to kind of get to the next level. If we want to speed things up, it's a little risky. And she's like, just do it. Like, like, what what are we going to lose? If, you know, if we can recover, but like, do we want to look back and wonder? So yeah, we've been, you know, tr- trying to make some things work, being just a little more aggressive because it's like, what's the worst thing that can happen? I think sometimes you got to play that movie out. It's not that bad. The worst thing for me, again, is, is a regret of not, not finding out. Right. It's not like potentially maybe losing some stuff because you could always recoup that on other, other means. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome you stuff. Have to have a new uh, new fear. You have to have a fear of regret. Yeah, not a fear of uh, you know losing something that's already in abundance. So, how's the group now? Do you have any more spots? Yeah, we're um, you know, our um, we're almost at a hundred members, and um, we're really focused right now on growing our beginner coaching program to position them so that they can pay their way into our uh, seven figure mastermind. So that's our that's where they get access to me and my head coach. That's where they get their three live events, and um, and that's where obviously the price points higher. Uh, but yeah, we've uh, we're really focused on helping more beginners get into the game and get them off the ground. So the first year is the hardest. We tell everybody if you can get through year one, maybe you can even echo this. The first year is the hardest because no one knows you, likes you, or trusts you. And the best advice I was even uh, just telling you earlier that I was. Uh, hanging out with Russell Brunson and Dean Graziosi this morning at yeah. Joel's house on their on Joel's podcast, Joel and Dan's podcast. And uh, I asked Russell, I said, what's your number one piece of advice for someone just getting started with no following? 
And he said, consistency, consistency, consistency. One video every day for an entire year or else you don't give anyone a chance to discover your work. And he used the analogy of uh, popular TV shows like you know Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones. You don't, maybe for me, I didn't discover those shows until like season five and season six. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you have to kind of look at your content like a series. And if you're trying to like get known and have a breakthrough in the first three to six months, like it's just not going to happen. It's not enough content. So a lot of people just give up. He had a great quote this morning, stop stopping. <laughs> right? You just, everyone just starts and then stops. It's like, don't, it's like, just keep driving. Stop hitting the brakes. Stop stopping. Well, it's harder now. There's, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of shiny objects to distract yep. us. And a lot of this stuff isn't sexy. It's perseverance. It's grit. Right. It's determination. It's sticking with something yep. for a year or two or more before you start seeing some major breakthroughs. You but, can't. but if you keep shifting gears every time, you're, you're always going to hit those troubled areas. Yep. There's always going to be challenges. So yep. g- get through the challenges and keep going instead of starting over on something else. Exactly. So I think that's the big theme for everybody is just to stop stopping and to just stick with one thing and realize, you know, for, for the beginners, we tell them the first year will be the hardest. Uh, if you can get some lift off in year one, you're ahead. Also, if it is hard, is can be looked at as a good thing. Right. Because that is getting rid of a lot of people that yes. do not want to deal with that. I mean, in any coaching program, there's a success rate of, like you said, the guys who are implementing things right away, getting stuff done, and just really go-getters. But there's a lot of guys that are just sitting there taking notes and sitting on it and not doing anything. Yeah, moving super slow and just um, expecting, you know, big wins, quick wins, like way too soon. So it's expectations, managing expectations. And we find that if you're just trying to hit a single and just keep hitting singles, you'll eventually get back to home plate and, you know, get the equivalent of a home run. But everyone's trying to hit a home run right out of the gate. I'm like, let's just get in the game. And just keep working around. The I mean, bases. you look at look at our business. We have a we have an offer called Unlock Your Hip Flexors, that is our best selling product for the last four years. And people are thinking, oh, that's a home run offer. Yeah, it's a home run, but it's not. You know how many offers we've made? We've made like fifty different sales pages and offers yeah. and funnels. Right. And then you get one that works. It's like that overnight success story yep. that took ten years. And when people are in a coaching program, you know. They're, they're paying for advice, right? So there's kind of this expectation that I should be making a return. And the thing is, is you are making a return. You're staying in the game. You're staying focused on what will continue to move your business forward. You can't put a price on that because if you weren't in this group and you were experiencing this, you know, maybe it's not going as fast as you want, you would have quit by now. So your win is that you're still moving in the right direction. And that's kind of hard to like, translate maybe to somebody else who doesn't understand how this works because they're like, well, where's your return on investment? Like, I'm still moving forward. I'm laying bricks. I'm building something, right? I'm way further than where I started. I'm developmentally, I'm now mentally prepared to keep going. It's like, what kind of, you can't put a price on that. And you're giving yourself an opportunity to succeed. Yes. If you're not there and you're not going and you're sitting at home by yourself. Yeah. And okay, maybe it doesn't start with a coaching group. Maybe it starts with going to a conference. Yep. Just getting on an airplane and staying in a hotel and attending an event, getting around other people. Right. Getting in a position to meet people, to learn things. You have to give yourself the opportunity. Yep. Maybe it doesn't happen at the first one. But I would say one of the best business tips I ever got was from my second cousin. He sold his internet business in his 20s for $50 million. And he told me his number one tip for me was just keep showing up. You know how many years I just kept going to stuff, feeling like I didn't belong there and I shouldn't be there and I'm an imposter Yeah, yeah. and people are going to figure out like, but guess what? You keep showing up and eventually you start figuring yeah. things out and people, you make friendships, you, uh, <laughs> you form these relationships with people and your friends wind up wanting to see you do well and people find ways to help you. Right. Oh yeah, totally. And it's a natural thing. Yeah, you can't get caught up in all this. Oh, yeah, guy's going faster and just started. And I'm like, I've been at this for a while. There are a lot of comparing, right? Yeah, you got to just stay in your lane, run your race, and just know what your what your true values are. Because, yeah, I mean, you know, we got families too. So, doesn't that count for something? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, we've got we've got a couple kids between both of us, and we got you know beautiful wives that love us, and we we have more than just the money. So it's like, if you just find your identity in the metrics. Man, you're you're gonna 
the problem with that is that there's always someone with better metrics. So right. Doesn't line. matter how much you have. Once, no. you have, once you have a uh, house on the water and yep. private jet, someone else has an island. Yeah, exactly. So the rich line's always moving. So if you're finding your identity and stuff that other people consider significant, then you're always going to feel like you're always going to feel insecure. Exactly. I think that's a great spot to end it. How can people get a hold of you, Vince? I'll make it super simple, Mike. Uh, Instagram, they can find my blue verified account, Vince Del Monte. We answer all of our DMs. So that's the best way to uh, get a hold of me. We have a podcast too, the Vince Del Monte podcast, and we uh, really focus on a lot of the same themes we discussed uh, today. So uh, those would be the best spots. Awesome, man. Really appreciate you. You're a mentor to me, a great friend, and I really value you being here. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe so that more people can find out about our show. Plus, you don't want to miss any future episodes with the amazing guests and topics we have lined up for you. 